Hi there, I'm Washington Post reporter Lillian Cunningham. Stay tuned after the show to hear about my latest podcast, Moonrise. It's the dark but true story of why we went to the moon and what we found there. The full series is available now. Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. On a hot summer afternoon in 1918, a mysterious man approached the U.S.-Mexico border in the bustling town of Nogales, Arizona. For decades, the boundary between the two countries had been little more than an imaginary line in the sand. But rampant smuggling, the Mexican Revolution, and the outbreak of World War I had split the border town in two. There was tension and fear. U.S. Customs inspectors were there, so were American and Mexican soldiers. And as the man walked toward Mexico, a U.S. Customs inspector, suspecting he was a smuggler, suddenly ordered him to halt. Then the officer drew his gun. And so did two American soldiers. Yards away, Mexican officials also shouldered their rifles. This was not going to end well. A Mexican officer fired his rifle, hitting an American soldier in the face. The border, both sides, erupted in gunfire for two hours. Twelve people died, including the mayor of Nogales himself, according to Rachel St. John, the historian who wrote a book about the incident. The shootout, historic and forgotten, is being remembered now amid President Trump's border wall push for what happened next. Mexican and American officials quickly agreed to put up a six-foot fence through the middle of town. Over the past century, there have been wild, often unsuccessful efforts to fortify this symbolic boundary. Long before the perceived threat was asylum seekers from Central America, it was German spies and Mexican revolutionaries, prostitutes and polygamists, Chinese immigrants, and even sick cattle. Given this outsized importance, sociologist Douglas Massey wrote in a 2016 essay, it is easy to forget something very important. The U.S.-Mexico border didn't even exist at all until 1821, when Mexico gained independence from Spain. And it wasn't for another 30 years that the boundary line looked anything like it does today. The history is long and winding. Texans revolted against Mexico in 1836, largely to preserve the institution of slavery. When Texas joined the Union in 1845, it led to a war between the United States and Mexico that ended with American troops occupying Mexico City. At gunpoint, Mexico signed away what is now Arizona, California, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah, and Colorado for $15 million. Five years later, in 1853, the United States bought another 30,000 square miles for $10 million so that it could build a transcontinental railroad. By the end of the century, the boundary was blurred beyond recognition. Markers had been moved, 
destroyed or vandalized. In Nogales, saloons straddled the border, selling Mexican cigars on one side and American liquor on the other, both duty-free. In 1882, the United States and Mexico formed a joint commission to resurvey, remap, and remark the border. The team found that in one stretch, there wasn't a single marker for 100 miles. Officials on both sides of the border began trying to impose order. On the commission's recommendation, President William McKinley ordered a 60-foot swath cleared along the Nogales border in 1897. Saloons were destroyed or moved. Ten years later, the order was extended to all of Arizona, New Mexico, and California. As the border began to take shape, officials started to restrict who and what moved over it. In 1909, Congress passed the act to prohibit the importation and use of opium for other than medicinal purposes, effectively launching the business of drug smuggling on the border, according to St. John, the historian who wrote a book about the border. That same year, the first federally built fence went up in Baja to prevent American cattle from contracting Texas fever, a disease spread by ticks that had been nearly eradicated in the United States but persisted in Mexico. Around the same time, customs officials began preventing the entry of certain people into the United States. Immigrants, specifically those who were convicts or prostitutes, and then later so-called lunatics and others thought to be undesirable. Sophisticated smuggling networks soon developed along the border, including doctors specializing in removing signs of disease. And so here we are now, almost two centuries later, still arguing about it all. Today, in Nogales, that six-foot fence that went up in the middle of the border town, it's now a 20-foot-high row of steel beams, recently reinforced with razor wire. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. This episode was adapted from a story written by Michael E. Miller for the Washington Post. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod. Hi, I'm Lillian Cunningham, host of the Washington Post's presidential and constitutional podcasts. We've just released the finale for my latest series called Moonrise. It re-examines the story you thought you knew about why we went to the moon. I dig into newly declassified documents and presidential records, closed-door political deals, the Cold War nuclear arms race, and even the history of science fiction to tell a new story about space. Listen on your favorite podcast app or at WashingtonPost.com slash Moonrise. You can binge the entire series available now. There's always more to the story. I'm Leanne Caldwell, anchor of Washington Post Live. 
Each week, we bring you inside conversations between the newsroom and the people we cover. From global leaders enacting change to cutting-edge artists redefining our culture. And we make you and your questions part of every conversation. Listen to Washington Post Live wherever you get your podcasts and watch on demand at WashingtonPostLive.com.